episode of the Scrumcast. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Clayton Lengelzigich. And I'm Elvis. Elvis is new to the studio. <laughs> That's how powerful Agile is, is it can bring back Elvis. Um, so uh, recently attended the uh, Agile Open Northwest in Portland, and there are a number of really great topics. Um, and one topic that seemed to kind of come up in a couple of different uh, formats um, was the concept of growing people or mentoring people or deliberate practice to get better. And I think that that's kind of one of the tenets of Agile is continuous improvement um, and, and really trying to get better and inspect and adapt. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, deliberate practice in areas that aren't technical, um, a little bit about what it takes to mentor and grow people, and a little bit about how do you facilitate developers who care. So easy topics. <laughs> be hard to find a five minutes worth of content on yeah <laughs> okay so what was the first one I, I think they're kind of all one and the same and that's you know how, how do you practice the things um how do you deliberately practice things that aren't really tangibles right so i, I think you could say how do you practice becoming a better coder because it's fairly easy to say you know, here's here's what code, code has an output. But if you say, how do you deliberately become a better communicator or a um, better estimator or a better at intuition or better at leadership, those things have a lot more difficult outcome um, to predict. So how do you go about deliberately practicing them? And the kind of the, the, the second part of that is, you know, how do, how do you mentor um, good team members, right? How do you facilitate developers that really care about the work they're doing, not just the code? So I think as far as deliberate practice uh, for some of those scenarios that you described, um, you know, it it's hard to do as part of your work day because the, the chances for doing that are pretty limited. Um, one thing that I've tried to do is really take it beyond my work and look for opportunities in just general life where I can say, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to estimate, you know, the difficulty of, of doing this particular task or, or, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to actually measure it. And I'm going to see how accurate was I at predicting, you know, at predicting how long it took me to do that or how difficult that was, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, same with communication is, is, you know, how am I facilitating communication in my personal private life? You know, am I, Am I using the techniques that should make me a good a good scrum master or a good scrum coach? Am I using those things to talk to my wife or my kids? Uh, you know, I think there there's plenty of opportunities if you can think outside of the box on ways to exercise and practice those skills. Yeah, so I think um, I agree the idea that code is kind of an easier one because it's uh, you know there's some output and stuff. Uh, I like Jade's idea of trying to take some of that stuff what you're learning and trying to do that in your normal everyday life. Uh, one thing that I found that's kind of interesting is, you know, get home from work, uh, you know, wife and I talk about our days and stuff. And a lot of the stuff that, you know, I do is of a, uh, you know, very technical nature. And what's kind of fun every now and again is, um, you know, even just kind of to humor me, you know, she, she asked me, you know, oh, well, explain that thing. And so I think it's interesting to some degree to try and challenge yourself to say, here's this person doesn't know anything uh, about this technical thing I'm talking about, but I'm going to try and explain kind of what the goal is and what the purpose and all those things. And I think we take that for granted because 
we come across, you know, it's like you go home and you're like, oh, my wife doesn't really know much about uh, this technology, but I'm going to explain it to her and, you know, you're a nice guy. But then you go talk to your client. And you're like, man, what a jerk. That guy doesn't know anything. He's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so um, I think that's a good opportunity, you know, just in your daily life. Even like, you know, I've got these friends that, you know, they're they're curious, you know, how's work going and things like that. And they don't understand anything from a technical perspective that I'm doing, but you know, it's just kind of a, a fun time to be like, Oh yeah, we're working on this cool project and here's the, the point of it and what we're trying to do, you know? And, and I think seizing those opportunities, you know, probably first it's hard to kind of realize when those come up, um, you know, as far as like communication, you know, improving your communication. Um, I, I think just like any opportunity you can to speak in front of people or, um, even just answer questions or just, you know, anything like that, you know, it's just kind of finding those opportunities and then doing something with them. Uh, I think that's a, a really good way to improve on those intangibles. Well, I think those are good ways of like casual practice. Um, I think experiments are really where you're going to be able to have deliberate practice. So whether that's, you know, taking, taking a different approach to solving a problem within some work problem that you're dealing with, or, you know, you know, lots of people have a side project or things like that. Can you, can you apply these things to your side project or test out new theories, um, in those ways and, and measure the results that you're seeing against that, that to me, that's working a little bit more towards a deliberate practice of trying to improve your skills in these areas. Yeah. Uh, I think I, like, I agree that everyone has their side projects. And I think sometimes we get to a point where we have too many side projects and, you know, you go out and say, well, I'm going to try all these new things and see what they're like. And then you're not really doing deliberate practice at that point. You're just kind of goofing off. Um, and so I think that is really challenging to say, you know, here's something that I want to deliberately practice and it's of some value to me in my normal day or whatever. Um, and I'm really going to focus on that and I'm not going, I'm not going to start this project. And then two weeks from now, you know, here's some new other new hotness and then go start that one. And, you know, then by the end of it, you've got like five projects that you haven't actually done anything on. Uh, so I think it's very important that you stay focused if you're going to try and use a side project or experimentation as a way to, to, to practice or learn new things. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a couple of pieces to this that are interesting to me. One is that I think that when I look at really high performers, um, they've learned that to get more performance, they have to start looking at different things. So if I'm a if I'm a developer and I'm a highly functioning developer and I'm really good coder and I, I, I do really well with software development, um, to take it to the next level, I probably don't have to practice code. I have to practice yeah. other skills, you know, listening skills, um, uh, problem solving skills, uh, in communication skills, um, different different pieces. So I think that kind of to me, step one is if you're already a high performer is you have to start saying, you know, what what can be a big boon for me that's not just like a new way of doing the thing that I'm already doing, right? Like, you know, you know I moved from Java to Ruby, right? You know, yeah, you're going to get a lot of performance potentially out of that. Um, but I would argue that if you're already really proficient at Java, you'd probably get a lot more performance at learning how to better deal with customers or better understand value of product or, you know, do other things that are going to get you a bigger bang for the buck. And so I think how, how do we start to get developers to realize that, you know, being the best coder or the best at a particular um, language or a tool, why not an all bad thing um, isn't always the best way to succeed um, I, I really actually loved Andre Agassi's book called Open, 
Um, he really talked about about this, and one of the big things that one of his you know mentors really pushed on him is you only have to be as good as the guy on the other side of the court. And I think sometimes when you talk software development, you only have to be as good as necessary to really succeed more than whatever the competitor is. And I think sometimes as engineers we focus on being perfect instead of on being well-rounded enough to beat the other guy. And so in his case, the things that he really lacked was he really lacked physical stamina. Um, he would pretty much crush everybody for through the first two or three sets in a match, and he would fall apart in the fifth set. And the other thing is mentally he would give up. So mentally his com- opponents knew how to get underneath his skin and basically pull him. And so you know for him to, to win all the titles that he did, um, he really had to overcome those two things. It really wasn't about tennis. He, he was proficient enough at the game of tennis. It was other two things. And I think you know within a team, part of that is how do we identify the deficiencies in our team and say, you know, you're a really good Java programmer. You're a really great Ruby programmer. But that's not what's really holding you back. What's really holding you back is you're not understanding you know the value in product or you're not understanding how to communicate well with other team members or you're not testing well or whatever. You know, what is that thing that's really keeping it? So that's part of it. And I think the other part is um, in deliberate practice, I think that knowing is half the battle to kind of go G.I. Joe on it is, <laughs> you know, I, I think that, you know, um, if you know what you're lacking, you can deliberately practice against it. If you just say, I'm trying to get better, um, you don't. And so I see people all the time with a side project. I'm going to do a side project and I'm going to try this new technology and blah, blah, blah. And they have no intent or no purpose. Right. Whereas if you took a project you already had and you said, you know, hey, I've been testing, um, but my tests always run really, really slow. And so over the next week, I'm going to try a bunch of different things to see if I can get my test suite to speed up by 20 or 30 percent. And then you successfully do that. Now you've created a skill set for yourself that now you know that, say, test suite environment enough to know what gets performance and what doesn't get performance, which is going to, you know, add to that if that's one of the things you're looking at doing. So I think, you know, I think we're too much of a generalist when it comes to wanting to get better. And we just say, oh, we want to get better. So let's just do more of what we're already doing, opposed to saying, what's a very specific thing that I can measure and I can do and I can say, did I get better at doing that after I practiced it? So I think you touched on a couple of key things. Uh, one is mentorship. And I, I think that's something that we forget is people who are professionals, they have coaches, they have people who are helping them every step of the way to see the things that they can't see within themselves. Um, and I, I think the, the next logical step from that is trust, right? And And if we don't have trust on a team or even with our mentors, we're not really going to listen to what they're saying and we're not going to, we're not going to get better because we're not going to do what they say. Cause we're just going to blow it off. And I, I feel like, you know, as an engineer, you know, in particular is we're really bad at doing that anyway, at listening to people. Um, you know, and so how do we, how do we build the trust up between peers and, you know, our supervisors or, um, you know, whoever it is that we're interacting with, how do we build up that trust level to say, you know, when you come and tell me, you know, you're, you're really doing a bad job communicating with the rest of the team. It's like, Oh man. Okay. Well, what can I do? Right. Instead of getting offended, teach me some techniques, right? Tell me, tell me what did I do that, that made this bad so that I can start to learn from those things. I think we're really bad at recognizing those opportunities. Well, I think if you ask anyone, um, do you want to get better? You want to improve? They say, yeah, sure. Of course. But then if you say, okay, what are you, what, you know, what do you need to improve? It's like, well, gee, let me think about it. I'm pretty good at everything. You know? <laughs> and so 
I think uh, like when you're a freshman in high school, the seniors seem totally awesome and you want to be just like the seniors. But then when you get to be a senior, you're like, wow, this is nothing special. And then the same thing happened, you know, you freshman in college, rather, it's, you know, it's like it goes on through life. And I feel like sometimes people just get to a point where they lose sight of the fact that there's people that are better than them. Uh, but at some point in time, they kind of just forget about that. So like the mentor thing, you know, there's there's a guy that um, that's probably 10 years older than I am. And I talk to him all the time about software development stuff. And it's funny because there's things where I say, like, I think I totally have it figured out. And I go talk to him and he's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Let me tell you about 1997. <laughs> it's like, well, OK, I didn't know about that. Right. And so there's all that stuff. And I think half of it, like knowing is half the battle, just knowing that there's a lot of stuff out there that one, you're probably not very good at or uh, or true. You could always be improving. You know, I don't think anyone's a total expert on everything. You know, if you are, then you're so far beyond anything. But, you know, if you're uh, as far as I'm concerned, like people in my position, there's always something you could be learning for something else. Uh, And just having that open mind and not taking that as offense. You know, I don't feel like I have to know everything by the time I'm 30 or something. You know, I'm not like worried about that. So I'm not going to be offended if someone says, Hey, you're not very good at X, Y, Z. You know, that's just an opportunity of like, Hey, you did half the work for me of figuring out what I'm not very good at. So now I can go do something to improve, but I don't think people have that, uh, knowledge or whatever. So, you know, going back to the, um, sports analogies a little bit. I think one of the things that's interesting in sports where you've got a coach and I'll, I'll go to the, the Agassi example again is you know, at one point he, he had kind of stated, you know, uh, you know, Oh, that's not true. When somebody kind of comes up to him and says, you need to change your game. And then when that person can say, well, remember when you lost, you know, the U S open to me, I'm telling you right now, you're a better player than I am. And you lost that game because I got into your head. And that was a point that he was able to say, a, you're right. And B, I want to win a U.S. Open, so I'm willing to listen. And, you know, one of the things I hear all the time in the software development world is we really need to be intrinsically motivated. And I I believe in that uh, to a large degree. But I have to ask, is some of our struggle saying, are people, what's the motivation for somebody to say, why should I improve? Meaning, you know, if there's not a World Cup to win or a gold medal to win or to something, like what, what, what do you tell a you know developer who is really competent and pretty good but they're not excellent how do you get them to move to that excellent point what's what's the what's the driving factor where you said you know if you just did these things you know clayton if you'd really think about how you communicate a little better and if you understood product development a little bit better um you know what's 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 the what's on the other end of that for you if you do those things right like like you know is this one of the things we struggle with yeah, I think I think that's true. What it, what is my motivation, right? Is it is it I'm going to get more money, I'm going to get a better job? I I don't know, you know. I don't know what that is at that at that point in time in my life, you know, can you even really picture those things? Right. Is it, is it to get on the Google team, right? right? Is it is it to get on the Facebook team? And we don't have the gold medal of programming the xp open well but i think if uh, the reality of it is that there are a lot of programming jobs out there right now and you know if you're someone that has something like java or net experience and you've got you know some maybe enterprise or corporate experience doing that like you could go make a pretty good living and not really have to extend yourself very much and i think a lot of people just say you know what like i've got a family and i've got these you know i really love playing golf and fishing so i'm gonna go to work and do my nine to five and that's fine like I don't need to improve. I think there's just the reality of it is that that a lot of people aren't in the position where they have to really stretch themselves. Now, if you're some factory worker, you know, you worked on the 
the oh you know assembly line in Ohio making brake pads and you know your kind of future is in question you're going to think well geez I really need to like pivot and do something different but I don't think a lot of people in the software development industry are in that position right now I, I definitely think that's an excellent point I mean the the number of open positions compared to the number of people able to fill them is I think people fill jobs all the time that are not qualified for them and they're able to hold them for years at a time because companies just don't have a choice. And so, you know, what, what can we do in our industry to, you know, change some of that? You know I mean? What, 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 what changes need to be made or what can you do with it as an organization um, to attract? Um, because money's not, you know, money only goes so far, right? You know I mean? Right. At a certain point, you know, throwing more money at somebody is not going to make them be more motivated. No, and a lot of times it has the opposite effect. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a really great question. And, uh, I wish I had an answer of, you know, what, what could we create that would motivate people to, to do better? I don't know. I think culture and environment is probably the, the big one. Um, you'd, I think you'd be surprised at people that maybe have a comfortable job that's in a corporate setting, but if they had something that w- had a, a more lively, robust culture and, you know, wasn't the same old, same old, uh, you know, kind of everything's a color of, of gray and beige in the office kind of deal. Um, I, I think that's really motivating and people don't realize that until they're exposed to it and they kind of can compare, you know, Hey, this is what I used to have and this is what I've got now or whatever. Uh, I think, you know, culture is a big deal. I think that's even that still only goes so far. You know, uh, if you look at the culture of our company, it's, it's pretty progressive and, and pretty far out beyond what most people are doing yet we still struggle with these same problems. You know, we're maybe struggling with them a little bit further down the road. You know, we might have people who are a, a little bit better than, um, you know, Joe corporate guy. Uh, but that it's not going to take us all the way to the next level. Well, and I think sometimes it's even detrimental in, in the sense of I see a lot of uh, young, vibrant companies radically change culture in order to attract people. And some of that culture is you know, working, you know, 10 hours a week and, you know, you got a ton of play time, a bunch of things that, that are great for the individual and they may not be even all that bad for the company, but ultimately they're not really doing things that are pressing that individual to become better. Really what they're saying is we're rewarding you for being a really great player. So we're bringing you over to the pro bowl, you know, come and come and play and hang out with some other really great players. And, you know, we're not really going to ask you to stretch. You just have to show up. Correct. Well, I think, you know, uh, if you go back to, you know, like some, some soccer team from Europe that plays in the World Cup or, you know, the Olympics or whatever, um, you know, those guys, I think, are motivated by the love of the game and, and they really want to be there and they're a great team. But then you go to, you know, go back to 1990s, you know, Iraqi national team. It's like I get the impression that they were kind of pressured, you know, like those guys, I'm sure, love soccer, but they were kind of pressured into it. So the idea of there's some level i think you know kind of what you're talking about jade of you know we have this culture and we're we're getting there but you still need to have that um kind of unified front and the team still needs you know the team aspect and the trust and all those things still need to be there even if you have a fun culture and video games and you know you know uh, flexible schedules and all that stuff uh, you still need some fundamentals i think well, i think i think part of that is a goal right and i think that's what you're driving at derek is really what is the goal behind doing this so you know if if i'm working at at Google or Apple, you know, there is a goal that I can get behind that I might be willing to push myself above and beyond, you know, what I would maybe normally do on my own, you know? So, so how do, how do the, 
average small companies out there create goals that are motivating to people that that are inspiring enough to say look you know i recognize where i'm at and to accomplish this goal it's going to take more than where i'm at how do how do i get there i mean i i think i think we're hitting it right on the head i mean when i look at facebook right now today look at the number of people that have exodus out of google yep. and jumped over to facebook and i think when you look at that Google's kind of been treading water for the last three or four years, and Facebook's really got world domination on their mind. And I, I think, you know, salary, location, everything, environments, almost identical between the two companies. So people are really jumping, you know, not for opportunity, but for the vision of where one's going versus the other. And so I think even as a small company, you know, it really is about um, really stretching yourself towards goals that people and visions that people can get behind and can get excited about that. You know, if, if, if I go to this company and I pour my heart and soul into it and I stretch myself that we're doing something amazing. And, and when we reach that something amazing, that's the reward. The reward's not the culture. The reward's not the, the money that I made making it. It's the, I was part of the team. And, you know, if you look back at Olympic teams, if you look at back at, you know, uh, you know, soccer teams, basketball teams that win championships, what they talk about is that shared experience of, you know, as a unit, we walked through and we achieved this. You know, if you I, look, think, I think you even see that in software teams, right? Yeah, I was on the I was on the OS2 team or I was right. on the. You know, the Unix team or the C team, yep. you know, th yep. th that exists in software as well. Right. You know, I was part of Xerox Park. You right. know, um, I was part of the original C team. And, and I think that that's what you have to create. You have to create the we're this sense of team and this is the purpose that our team has. And, you know, as we achieve these purposes that we put out, that every single time those purposes get bigger and bigger and bigger. So, you know, first maybe it's, you know, that we have a million users or that we're affecting this kind of change to, you know, and each, each step along the way, it just snowballs and momentum and you get more and more buying and there's more and more interest to say, I'm willing to stretch, not because I necessarily want to get better, but I want to stretch because I want to reach that goal. And I think that's really what it's about is setting goals that require people to stretch in order to reach those goals. Right. I think that's a good setup for our next podcast. Yep. Sounds good. A little stretching. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. See you next time.